few months now, there has been conversation in my household about one particular controversy. It's a really big deal. I'm gonna tell you right now, there are people in my family that feel really strongly about both sides. I'm sure that the exact same conversation about the exact same controversy has been happening in all of your homes. And we're asking each other questions like, well, what side are you on? Who's your favorite? What would you do? Apparently this is about to change the world for all of us. So the question is, is how will it directly impact my life? Does anybody have any idea of the controversy I'm talking about? College football was a good guess. <laughs> that was a great guess. Anything else? What other guesses? What's for, What's for dinner? That's a good one. Any other big controversies? Oh, that's a good one. Abortion, yes. A great one, good controversy. Is my wife wrong or are you wrong? That is not a controversy. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Actually, the controversy in my house is live golf. Yeah. Kind of a big deal, just in case you didn't know. There's been this organization of golfers called the PGA. Forever and a day. And now, there's a new golf club that's going to compete with it. But the controversy is, they are offering a lot of money, like life-changing money, to leave the PGA and go over to live. Big names have already done it. Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson... The rumor mill said that Tiger Woods turned down $1 billion to join the Live Tour. This week we found out, though, that was a lie. They only offered him about $750 million, so now we get it, right? Just a few weeks ago, the lottery was up to an unbelievable amount. Estimates were that by the time whoever it was won, by the time they paid all the taxes and did all the things, their take home was $600 million. Imagine that. Think about what your checking account has in it right now. And then tomorrow, add $600 million to that. People have been looking to make millions for years and years and years. And guess what? Scripture has something to say about it. Have you ever read in Scripture anything at all about money? (laughs) Yeah, it's there. There are a lot of things about money. I'm only going to read you one portion, and it's from the Gospel of Luke. And these are selected verses from chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, 
friend, who sent me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told him a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, hmm, what should I do? For I have no place to store the crops. Then he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for so many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions, give alms, make purses for yourself that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, there are a few things happening here. The first of which, Jesus is teaching in front of a crowd. And out of nowhere, somebody just raises their hand, excuse me, I need some help. Jesus wasn't even talking about money, but this man just raised his hand. Here in Chapel Roswell, the summer's been about throwback. So I'm gonna throw it back to the 90s. Do you remember a game show? It was called, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? People had to answer anywhere from like 12 to 15 questions to try to win the millions. And if they didn't know the answer, they would phone a friend. This is what's happening. This guy's phoning a friend. Excuse me, Jesus, I'm gonna need some help here. <laughs> The other thing, everyone knows the laws of inheritance. The older brother was to get two thirds. The younger brother will get one third. You all know that because it's in Deuteronomy and we've all memorized Deuteronomy. The other thing happening, people at the time believed that the world income was fixed. The economy was fixed, meaning there was no money flowing in or flowing out. So for you to be rich one day meant that same day someone became poor. So now we have a man who's phoning a friend. Help me get my share. And Jesus does what Jesus always does. Instead of giving us a very good, succinct, direct answer, we get a parable. And the parable that follows is of what's called the rich fool. We have a man, he obviously has a business and his business grows and he reinvests in his business. It is not his business that made him foolish. It's not storing up 
that made him foolish. It's not reinvesting in himself that made him foolish. There is one line of the parable that makes him foolish. And if you read past it, you miss the whole meaning. Here it is. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for you for many years. Relax, eat, and be merry. Because we've memorized the Old Testament, we know that this is a direct reference to something in Isaiah. There was another time when another party was happening and the saying goes, eat, drink, be merry for tomorrow we die. It's a reference point to living only for one's self. So the parable of his property, his business, his harvest, his barn, his wealth, his and his control of his. There's no commitment or dedication to God and neighbor. In 1983, do you know how many billionaires there were? Any idea? In 1983, how many billionaires did we have in America? 13. So 3 plus 10 is 13. Good work, community. <laughs> Last year alone, guess how many billionaires were brand new? 44 people became a billionaire last year alone. There's one company that's always on the top of the business list, and the company started in the 60s by a woman. And last year alone, this woman-led business made $74 million in profit. $74 million in profit. This is just fun. Who, who, what was the company? Jazzercise. That's a true story. Jazzercise is the leading company of income right now. Despite what has happened for these last years, it is showing, the studies are showing that more and more people are accumulating wealth now more than ever. People are storing up treasures at a larger, faster rate than ever before. And the same studies will tell you that volunteerism, service, and giving are equally down. All of a sudden, the commitment and the dedication to God and neighbor are different. It is not money that makes people foolish. What makes a person foolish is the motivation to be the thief. So there was a family. This family decided to get a hummingbird feeder. 
You know, one of those little plastic things you hook up on a hook in front of your kitchen window and you fill it with all the red, wonderful, sugary liquid. Family got the hummingbird feeder and they filled it up and they put it on the hook outside the window. And guess what? It became popular. One bird came and then two birds and then three and then four. And it became like a happening hummingbird place. Everybody was coming to eat and to drink. And people or the birds were coming so quickly that the children were having to take turns to pour into the feeder daily. And this went on for quite some time until one day it all slowed down. Turns out one male bird, we'll call him Larry for fun. Larry decided that was his feeder. And so every time Larry would come, he would take and he would eat and he would drink. And then he'd fly off onto a tree branch and guard the feeder. So anytime another bird would come, Larry would come and shoo him off. And the only time any other bird could come was when Larry was chasing off some other intruder. What happened was Larry took possession of property. And when he took possession of property, he forfeited his freedom. The hummingbird was afraid that his world was fixed. And it is not. Our world is not fixed. Because we have a God that pours into our world daily. We have a God that pours in all of these blessings over and over again to the point where God says, do not be afraid, but make a purse that can hold everything I'm giving you. Because it is my pleasure, God says. It is God's pleasure to give us the world over and over again. And so build something that will last because my good's will for you. And so feel free to save freely, but give freely too, so that we may invest in something that truly can change a generation. Because surely it's God's wealth that can really change the life of the next. It's a shift change. It's a shift in belief. It's a shift in faith. It's a shift in purpose. It's a shift in self-value. It's not what we have. It's what we are that's different. So... There's a caddy. <laughs> he's pretty popular. He's pretty famous. If you know about Live Golf, you already know the caddy I'm talking about. So if you don't know about golf, I am not going to like, bog you down with all these names. There's a famous caddy. And the caddy was able to, be, to work for two very famous but very different golfers. 
And along the way, they interviewed this caddy. And they said, tell us what it's like to be with these two different golfers. Tell us what really is the difference between one golfer and the other. So the caddy, in great scriptural fashion, instead of telling us a direct answer, he gave a story. (laughs) And he said, I'm going to tell you about what could happen. Pretend you're on the last hole and you have both golfers and both of them are one stroke away from winning the entire tournament. And both of them, their first shot is beautiful and it goes right down the fairway and it lands just where it's supposed to land. But when they approach their two respective balls, they realize the ball fell in a divot, a hole. Apparently that's not good. One golfer, he goes to this ball in the hole and he gets mad and he gets frustrated and he starts to scream about how it's not fair. He deserved better. This is so unlucky. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And he gets himself so worked up and so angry and screaming, he grabs his golf club, he hits it off into the woods and he loses the tournament. But the other golfer, he goes up to his ball. Same exact circumstances, same exact value. And he looks at the ball and he gets real quiet. And he starts to look around. He starts to think for a moment. And he gets even really down. He starts to look and pay attention to all the details, all of his surroundings. He gets this huge smile on his face. He picks up the golf club. He looks straight at his caddy and says, watch this. Hits a shot and he wins the tournament. What's the difference between the two golfers? One is a rich fool. One has his treasure where his heart is. It changes the way that you eat and you drink and you give blessing. And that's the opportunity and that's the choice that we have today as this community of faith that we know that all we have been given is a part of God's good gift. And that is the spirit that we gather around. And that is how we take and we eat and we drink. And so I invite you now into this moment of Holy Communion. And we are reminded that this table of communion, this is not a United Methodist table. It's a table for all people who wish to receive. And so you are invited to be a part of our liturgy, to be a part of the prayer, and also to be a part of receiving. And so when it is time, I'll invite our helpers to come forward at the moment and be a part of distributing, but know that you can come and you can receive as you wish. So now hear these words of our liturgy. We know that on the night in which Jesus gave himself for us, 
Jesus took bread, blessed the bread, gave thanks and said, take and eat for this is my body, which is given for you. So do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup and said, drink from this, all of you, for this is the blood of my covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so now we ask our Lord in a moment of prayer, we say, Lord, will you please pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here and on these gifts. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for this world, the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. And Lord, may you speak to us today in unexpected and surprising ways. May you show us new paths that you have before us. May you show us new opportunities that we may not have seen yesterday and put in our lives ways that we can give so that we are amazed. Lord, we know that you took care of the lilies, the birds, the fields. We know that this world is yours and we are a part of it. And so surely you will take care of us. So may we feel secure standing in that knowledge. And Lord, wherever two are gathered, not only are you present, but there is also suffering and celebration all in it. So from one extreme to the other, we ask for you to be a part of it. So whatever it is we're going through, whatever names we have on our minds, whatever circumstances we have on our minds, may we give it to you and ask for your presence in this moment. And we give all of you all that we have to you, knowing that we are your children and your people. And so we say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.